Welcome to Tea Time. This is a weekly pop culture podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Hallowell. And I'm Amelia Wedemeyer. And today, it is Teen Movie Week, people. Woo-hoo! Yeah. It's very exciting. If you haven't voted in the bracket, this podcast will come out on Friday. And I think there is still time to vote for uh, at least the, you know, the winner of this bracket. So go over to TheRinger.com or any of the social handles at ringer and you can vote let your voice be heard practice voting for november there um, you go equal stakes here honestly <laughs> oh yeah true true i mean this is with- exciting this is exciting for us because this is our bread and butter teen movies mm, talking yeah. about you know like bad boys and mean girls and juicy <laughs> drama it's like the yeah. tea time it's just the quintessential tea time content so we're really excited this whole episode is just going to be about teen movies so go to the ringer.com look at the articles that are being written it's just teen movie week across the board on the site um, we got a lot of good content there and then yeah we're going to be diving into a cringe mode. It's not even cringe mode. We love this movie so much. We're talking about bring it on. And then we're going to talk about the bracket on the site, what got snubbed, you know, our thoughts on it, and then do a little lightning round of some superlatives after. Ready? Yeah, so ready. So ready. We've, we've just scrapped the outline in favor of whatever the hell we want to talk about. Let's yes. do it. Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry's baby can wait till next Can wait. (laughs) Okay. First category, the Ringer's teen movie bracket takeaways. So we're doing snubs, like what matchup should have gone in another direction. But let's start with the snubs. Kate, I know you have a lot of thoughts. I do. So I think many people think that Tea Time is like our main job at TheRinger.com. But the reality is that the hosts of Tea Time really do not work on the creative side of TheRinger.com except for Tea Time. So we were not consulted as to the content (laughs) of the teen movie bracket. So when it went up on the site, we immediately had some thoughts. I personally had a lot of thoughts on things that I thought should be included or not included. So we're going to start with our snubs, things that did not make the official teen movie, best teen movie of all time bracket uh, that we just want to give a little shout out to. First of all, uh, just egregious. (laughs) And we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. We don't need to tell you why. High School Musical gone from this bracket. Not a single musical in sight. Uh, a little strange. Literally in the title, it says high school. That is better than 90% of the movies listed in that bracket. And to be fair, The Ringer also recently did a high school, best high school movie thing yeah. on the website. And we have so many ideas with ringer.com. Uh, and High School Musical was on that list. I did not remember writing a blurb for it, but apparently I did. Um, <laughs> and so to be fair, I understand maybe not wanting to double up on that, but there were a lot of movies in this bracket oh, that were on that list. There were a lot of doubles on this so, list. just an oversight, no excuse. Uh, yeah. Second of all, another high school movie very near and dear to my heart, Sky High. Don't know if you guys have seen it. Yes, it's I have. Superhero <laughs> High School. It's fucking great. And I was pissed that it wasn't on there. Mostly because, it, like, it's very much in the ringer's demographic, you know? Is this a Disney Channel original movie? It sounds like it. It's not, but it has the energy of one. It okay, is you know? a Disney movie, though. It's, yeah. It went oh, okay. to theaters, shockingly. Yeah. I Got saw it. it in theaters. Oh, did you? At a young okay. age. Great movie. Uh, featuring Cousin Greg of Succession. Oh, he's oh, wow. Wow. an early role. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, and it's Kurt Russell. He plays the superhero yeah. dad. A lot of big names, you guys. Great yeah. movie. <laughs> Pretty uh, cool. Just, it just deserved a shout out, at least, you know? No, yeah, I, the- I remember watching it and being like, this movie is actually good. It's good. It's a cult classic. 
Sure. Another cult classic that I don't think was even that popular but was also not on the list. The only movie I, I could think of that didn't make it because there was a lot is John Tucker Must Die. And I don't know if that wow. was big for anybody else. Maybe it was just like me and my friends. But Jesse Metcalf was like no. really having a moment in 2006. <laughs> he really did have a moment in 2006. And there's a lot of throwbacks in that movie. It felt like kind of a perfect, they all gang up on the guy. He's like yes. three-timing these women. They seek revenge. I thought that was a great movie. An iconic plot in any context, really. Yes. You yes. can't go wrong with that. <laughs> no, I definitely remember that movie. And I remember it was a thing. So yeah, yeah. that is rude. Yeah. That That's been suggested as a, as a cringe mode topic as well. We've gotten a couple of tweets about that one. So yeah, maybe we we'll keep, it, keep yeah. it in our back pocket. Yeah. Um, I also just noticed, and I know that The Ringer has a, some sort of horrible gender breakdown where it's like 80% men, 20% women. That is generous. Ooh, I, I, I was uh, going to say, that's pretty generous. <laughs> generous. Um, but I just felt like a lot of classics of the female friendship genre were left off this bracket. Again, I know, got to play to your audience. I get it. But Back to the Future is not a teen movie. And mm. it is. It's about teens, but it doesn't really capture the teen experience. It captures mm. the time travel experience. <laughs> uh, and I felt like there are some the, some female teen movies that were left off this list. First of all, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Like, uh, come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's a classic. It is. Second of all, Bend It Like Beckham. Ooh. Oh, just, such a good one. I love that you movie. Know, there were a lot of sports movies on this list, but like we could have used more. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of sports movies, from the writer of Bring It On, her directorial debut. Oh my God, what? Extremely underrated, Stick It. I wow. love that movie. That movie <laughs> is so good. And freaking Oscar winner Jeff Bridges plays and the heard of him. coach. Yeah, ever heard of him? Oh my, that movie is good. I it's think legitimately also an, good. An important component of a teen movie is like your sexual awakening in the movie, which I think a lot mm-hmm. of people had with the movie <laughs> Stick It. Um, uh-huh. Missy so Peregrine? To- anyone? <laughs> yeah. Anyone? Just me? Yeah. Except she was way <laughs> too tall to be a gymnast, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia, who do you think got snubbed in the ringer bracket? I thought, have you ever seen the movie 13 starring Nikki Reed and Rachel Wo- uh, Evan Wood? Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel, Rachel Wood. <laughs> You should be scared of the movie because it is really intense. And just, you know, if kids made it, then 13 should have made it because mm-hmm. kids is like so old and 13 is a little more. I mean, it's still I think it was done like in the early 2000s, but it's like the same picks. gist. Yeah. A lot of really old picks that were almost like you said, cult classics. And it's just like, OK, but yeah. whatever. Could use an update. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then also 16 Candles should have made it over Pretty in Pink. Are you kidding? I'm sorry. Like if we're ta- like, uh, what's his face? The Jake Ryan character mm. wasn't he was like a huge deal. And mm-hmm. also, I feel like that's kind of Molly Ringwald's signature role. Sweet 16. And then they chose Pretty in Pink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly am kind of anti John Hughes in general. So I'm not okay. a very good. Uh, person to remark on that, but I I think plus like it's the teen experience of like the party and the yes yeah the 16th and, like, birthday, birthday right yeah, it's very important yeah. to teens I feel like that's a really exactly yeah, yeah, and if birthday. if you were gonna if I was gonna say okay have you heard of sixteen candles or pretty in pink like which one would you say you've is more culturally like accepted as like oh that's a teen movie. Perhaps I agree. Candles, you're right. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. And then yeah. last one is egregious. I have to back you up 200 <laughs> yes. percent on this one. Go ahead. Uh, love Simon, and it should have been the friggin' kissing booth. <laughs> Awful. Are you kidding me? 
And you didn't include love, Simon, but you chose the kissing booth? Oh, Actually, my indefensible. God. It's indefensible. It really is. No, it bracket. really is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, great. I have no other comment. The kissing booth sucks ass. No. I've been very vocal about that. Okay, which matchup should have gone the other way? I we have. I think the biggest one that is sticking on all of our braids. I wish you could have more time to talk about it. Is Harry Potter? How <laughs> is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire <laughs> in this bracket? I think we're now at like the. Now it's what it's like sweet 16 and then whatever the eight is. What is that? Elite called? eight. Elite yeah. eight. Isn't it still in? Yes. yes. It's still going. I think it might lose today. I think the like I, the scream. Yeah. It it was a mistake to include it. I understand why they did. It's like <laughs> right. the, the, the teeniest of the Harry Potter movies. Yes. But like, are you going to include Hunger Games? Like it's, she's a teen <laughs> in that. She, yes. Like, it was a mistake. And the Twitter, po- the Twitter polls were really skewed. Uh, it beat. Heather's right. Yes, it did. Awful. Awful. It, it beat a lot of stuff, and and it in the first round, I think it beat can't hardly rate wait. Yeah, I'm mm. not able to speak today. Um, but it's just like you don't really think teen movie when someone says Harry Potter. Yeah, he's dealing with a lot of adult stuff. <laughs> and our con- and our main content Twilight just absolutely smoked. <laughs> Twilight, okay. Twilight was a 16 seed, which is fine. People hate Twilight. However, it was up against Scream. And if you're going to ask me what tells you more about being a teen, they're both in the horror genre, whatever, which was dumb. Like, Twilight (laughs) at least is about teen longing, angst, trying to find a place in the world when you feel like you don't belong, having Mm -hmm. that first love that's all-consuming. Scream is about getting murdered. And that just is not a major part of a normal teen's experience. You're right. So I was not happy with how that matchup went. I'll talk later about how Twilight was very formative for my high school years. (laughs) Um, But I was pissed. I really campaigned hard for Twilight. I understand why it failed. I had no no, uh, misconceptions that it would go beyond the first round. Also, fucking pissed about this. I just mentioned Back to the Future in the last category. 10 Things I Hate About You was set up because Back to the Future was misseeded. Again, you have to understand your audience. It doesn't matter if it's a teen movie or not. Men online, they're scrolling. They see Back to the Future. They're going to click Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. And it was up against 10 Things I Hate About You. I think Back to the Future was a six seed. I think 10 Things I Hate About You was a three seed. Back to the Future should have been higher and should not have gone against 10 Things I Hate About You, which then failed uh, and was knocked out. We'll have to talk. We'll talk about 10 things I hate about you later. We'll give it justice on the pod. Um, yes. Quickly, I just want to say I have this really bizarre soft spot for the remake of 21 Jump Street. Yes. No idea why. <laughs> no, I, it's good. I absolutely love that movie. Um, I have seen it many, many times. Saw it in the theaters with my best friend. Laugh my ass off. Anyway, love that movie. I, I think it got knocked out very early. I don't know why. Because I feel like that is actually the demographic of, you know, The Ringer. But... Regardless, I also want Justice for Juno, which I'll talk heavily about in this pod, but also phenomenal movie. Very pivotal to me. The second 21 Jump Street movie is actually good, too. They go to college. They all are good. Really funny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's quickly do what is actually the best or your favorite teen movie before we move on. Kate, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know what's actually going to win this bracket. It feels like The Breakfast Club has a good shot since it knocked Mm. out Back to the Future. Um, But I would say, and this was crowned as our best high school movie. I think Clueless is like yeah. maybe the best. Certainly Clueless up there. And it actually, I think, is about to lose to Mean Girls, uh, yeah. which is fine. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, very tough match. 
I think Mean Girls is kind of like oversaturated at the moment, even though it came out so yeah. long ago. It's I am kind of like fatigued by it, even though I know it is the quintessential teen movie. Yeah. But yeah, I would. But I think Clueless is great. We also got some DMs about that movie. People yeah, just a great Clueless. in every way. It's funny. It, it's really good. It holds up. It's got the mm-hmm. fashion that you want. Mm-hmm. But also my favorite teen movie is Say Anything with John yeah. Cusack. So. Interesting. Just Amelia, what is your opinion on the matter? It's your best or favorite movie? Honestly, you can't do better personally than Bring It On. I just love that movie. I love everything about it. I think it is so funny. I think it talks about relevant things, which we'll get into later. Um, again, it stars Kirsten Dunst, who I've been writing hard for for well, two decades. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. It's just like it's a. I just grew up loving that movie, just loving it. So bring it on. Agreed. I almost Great watched pick. this movie twice. I typically leave the cringe mode movies to like Wednesday at midnight <laughs> or Thursday, very early before we record. Watch Bring It On on Monday. I couldn't wait. I was so excited. Debated watching it again last night. My favorite for no reason is Juno, which is kind of in- inexplainable. But um, I want to quickly say, I feel like the three of us, Kai included, four of us, kind of grew up in the in the era of like the teen movie craze. There were so many movies about about like the teenage high school experience. And I don't think I had a single similar experience to any movie I watched. There were like, I think I was just disillusioned by what would happen in high school. I didn't have like that main character storyline. So uh, I just have a problem (laughs) with basically all teen movies. Set me up for failure. Okay, let's quickly do the teen movie superlatives. These will be like kind of like a lightning round. Want your guys' opinions. So let's do Kate, who is the meanest mean girl in a teen movie. The meanest mean girl, in my opinion, is Rizzo from Greece because she just does not give a fuck. Like True. the scariest mean girl is the one who's like, I have nothing to lose. I will actually <laughs> beat the shit out of you and go mm-hmm. to jail for it and yes. feel good about it. And I like actually am legitimately scared of Rizzo. She terrifies <laughs> me to this day. That's a good one. That's a throwback. I like the old school answer. Um, Amelia, too. what's your opinion on the meanest mean girl in a teen movie? Uh, personally, there uh, to me, there's no beating Regina George. She is just, she's beautiful. She's scary. People just, they grovel. She can make anything look cool. And she mm-hmm. does, the, one of the things that stood out to me was when she did the backhanded, or the compliment, but then was like, I actually hate that skirt. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And so now I'm <laughs> questioning every compliment I get for the rest of my life. Yeah, she's the the modern image of the mean girl, like the mean girl we all actually had in high school. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think there's no yeah. beating Regina. George. The movie's named after her. Like you can't yeah. beat. It's literally yeah. called Mean Girl because of her. You can't beat that. True. Girl. Who is the baddest bad boy, Kate? <laughs> Just a, a character trope we love to see every time. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Both of these men have come up in cringe mode movies on this podcast. But I got to go with Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Hate About You. He's Good not one. that bad, which is mm-hmm. why I chose him. Because <laughs> he's like, and you're going to talk about him later in a different category. But he's like, just again, doesn't really give a fuck, which is like kind of the badness of him. But like, he's not a bad person. Yes. It's like yeah. a difficult line sometimes with like these like bad boy character types. Right. Yeah. Amelia, do you feel the same way about your choice? He's not yeah, actually you know, a bad person. Exactly. 100%. He starts out as kind of a bad guy, but then he learns to grow a heart, you know, after he's introduced to this nice girl. Um, Shane West in 
one of our favorite movies, A Walk to Remember. He is true. He's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. And <laughs> he, bad boy. No. Um, and he, you know, is rude, d- abandons people, and um, has a lot of angst, but he comes around. Oh, yeah. That's important. You got to have a lot of angst. Yeah. You really as a do. bad boy. <laughs> Shane West certainly toes the line. We grappled with this when we did <laughs> yeah. your Mortal Walk to remember. Yeah. We are like, he could be too bad at one point. And then he turns around and then yeah. you're all for him. Mm-hmm. Um, this leads me directly into Dreamiest Dreamboat, which I have to go first since we're just about talking about him. Is Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Hate About You? Mm-hmm. There has been no dreamier man, no dreamier smile. I mean, mm-hmm. oh my God. Also, I think the director just knew like that this is who he was and this was his essence. And just the screen time and the way he was filmed in this movie has just sent him up to be like an eternally just iconic character. Like the shots of just him like smiling in that science lab, I can see him right now so clearly. So I think without a doubt, that is my dream is dreamboat. But I did grapple. I did debate putting (laughs) Noah Centineo. So you're welcome. (laughs) I did not choose him. There's something to be said for his moment. In to all the boys yes. I love before. Definitely. There's a reason I watched said. that movie six times the first week <laughs> it came out. Okay, Amelia, who's your answer on Dreamy's Dreamboat? Well, you know, oh, Kate, when you mentioned Rizzo, I was like, you know, I was, I forgot for a second, but I was really into Greece when I was like eight. I don't know why. I watched it like all the time. I knew all the like, musical numbers, blah, blah, blah. And I was always like, this is really embarrassing, but I was like, go Grease Lightning. And like my older cousins can like attest to this. And they're like, yeah, you really like saying go Grease Lightning a bunch. And I was like, "Uh, right, yeah, okay. But um, I would have to say that, you know, now looking back, a lot of it was due to the ever handsome, iconic Adele Dazeem. Okay, wow, rude. Uh, The one and only John Travolta in Greece. Yes. Danny Zuko. Love A great bad boy, too. A great bad boy, yeah. He's a crossover hit. Exactly. I was going to put him in the bad boy, but then I was like, you know what? No. He's those those baby blues. Yeah. Love John Travolta in Greece. That's a great pick. I hate that I had to go last because this isn't really a great choice for this category, (laughs) but I saw an opportunity and I took it. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Logan Lerman. Uh, He's been called the white boy of the decade on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the reason you don't know him is because he was never the love interest in the teen movies. Ah. He was in all those fucking teen movies about the like poor, sad white boy. Or the like he was the son of Zeus. Right. That too. (laughs) One of those things. But he's in Perks of Being a Wallflower. He's in all these like teen movies about like angsty teen boys. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, again, why he, I feel like he never really blew up. He should have been the love interest, but he never really was. But anyway, I just love him. Love his work. We still stand Logan Lerman. So. <laughs> I love that different, different in different opinions. <laughs> um, Amelia, who is your most relatable protagonist? <laughs> I would have to say, I <laughs> I love The Princess Diaries, and, and I, I love Mia Thermopolis, She's just, well, her name is Amelia. And for a while I debated, like mm. I switched schools in uh, from fifth to sixth grade. And I was like, maybe I should have people call me Mia. And I was like, no, that's that's weird. I don't I don't like that. But that's neither here nor there. But uh, yes, <laughs> Mia Thermopolis. And you know the scene when Mandy Moore's character is really mean to her and she um, they're on the beach and, and Mia is changing. And then they lift up the, yeah. I literally started crying 
because I was just like, that's so mean. And I feel for her so, so much. My yes, God. I know. In theaters. And my parents were there. And so was my little sister. And everyone was like, are you okay? Like, this is really weird. And you know what? Also, this is a bit of a tangent, but it reminds me of the time that my parents took my sister and I to see the Star Wars episode one. And um, I'm sorry, this will be very quick. But... Um, <laughs> And they were like, well, we don't know if Olivia can see it because she's so young. And they're like, okay, well, well, it's fine. It's fine. And in the end, it turned out I was the one being like, I need to leave the theater. This is so scary. And my sister was like, oh, whatever. Wow. The reason I like doing pods like this and not solely pop culture content is because we get so many good stories about the three of us that we don't normally get to share. Amelia, thank you. That's really vital to the content. Yes. Um, I don't want to go after that, but I guess I have to. My most relatable protagonist, one that I wish I had at the time, was Elsie Fisher in eighth grade. I just thought I watched it as an adult. Obviously, it came out, I think, like a year or two ago. But it was just such a nice accurate portrayal of like a modern teen and just kind of being like no one thing and no like one extreme emotion or on an extreme spectrum just like you're a little bit of everything in the eighth grade and you feel a little bit of everything um and I just really wish I had that I think um at that age because we had I don't know what like Vanessa Hudgens like (laughs) I don't even know what I had in the eighth grade but to hold on to but it wasn't something accurate um so that is my answer and then Next thing is the best, best friend. And I wrote something down, but Amelia, I actually wholeheartedly agree with what you came up with. So go ahead. Okay, so this is a bit of a hot take, but I think the best friendships are not in teen movies. Teen movies seem to highlight like how people are really backstabby and kind of manipulative. Uh, I think the best friends from movies are in children's films or movies about kids like Stand By Me inside out every decom like the color of friendship um you know there's just like a, some something so pure about the friendship of children and that they're willing to do anything for their friends and they don't have any you know biases or preconceived notions about people and just like it's very pure and where when you get to hit you know your teenage years in high school you're you want to be cool so you stop hanging out with people or you judge other people and it's just it gets friendship gets muddled so that's what that's what I think and I think in teen movies the trope is like there's one main character and then you have like a little sidekick on the side so originally I wrote Cameron Fry from Ferris Bueller's Day Off but then I was thinking more about it and you're actually right he is he just is more of like a shadow behind Ferris Bueller and there's always like one star and then the best friend no matter how great they are just are pretty like shallow. Like there's not a lot of depth to those characters and yeah. they kind of just fall behind. And I think that's not actually that accurate most times in teenage friendship. So I agree with you. Yeah, I yeah. added this category and then I couldn't think of one. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I think it's smart. Gonna... You know, it's about the two of them, but right. yeah, it's very yeah. rare. And I think more recent movies are being better about like putting like, especially female friendships first. But yes. like even in the ones we were talking about before, like Bennett, like Beckham, even like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, like they're all good friends, but they all like really, it's all about their struggle to maintain the friendship yeah. like through yeah. their teenage years. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it was really hard to think of just like a good, solid, loyal friend. I considered, <laughs> I considered Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. And oh. then I was like, I, yeah, no. I think we kept <laughs> writing things down and then the next time I'd open the outline, it was deleted, <laughs> including myself. I did that five times, so. Okay, let's keep going. Best teacher, Kate. 
This is cheating because it's like a preteen movie. I think they're in fourth grade, but I put Jack Black okay. from School of Rock because Please. it's a great fucking movie. Just like an all-time favorite of mine. He's just the coolest teacher. He's what you want. <laughs> like, you went to that movie and you were like, I wish my band teacher was like this. And they never <laughs> were. Um, and Jack Black was certainly not teaching me oboe in the 70s. <laughs> not. Certainly not. Maybe I would have stuck with the tenor saxophone if I oh had Jack Black as my band oboist. teacher. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mine yeah, is also cheating um, because I picked a drama, but I just love Robin Williams and Dead Poet Society. Yeah. Um, it was not talked about in the bracket. Obviously, it's just like a different tone, but also similar to Jack Black, you wanted Robin Williams to be your English teacher and inspire right. you in the way that he inspired um, these prep school kids. They have the, oh, captain, my captain moment, oh. carpe diem. I feel like he was just a rousing character. Great role for Robin Williams. So I had to give a shout out to him. All right, let's do number one parent award. And all three of us have different opinions. So Kate, let's do you first. We do. I actually almost put uh, this movie for the last category and then I wanted to switch it up. I almost put Mr. Griffith from Easy A as my favorite teacher in a teen movie. I don't know if you guys remember, fucking love Easy A. Uh, and he's just like the very wisecracking, like sort of advice giving teacher to Emma Stone's character. But I had to lose him because I had the number one parent award, which had to go to Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson in Easy A, which is oh. just an all time funny, uh, mm-hmm. really loving and just scene stealing <laughs> performance by the two of them. This They're is great. a good pick. I will give you credit. Yeah, this is a really you. good pick. My number one parent award goes to J.K. Simmons. You guessed it in Juno. Like, I guess I'm the only (laughs) Juno fan on earth. But if I were to get pregnant at 16, I would want J.K. Simmons' deep, comforting, no bullshit voice telling me that it was going to be okay, giving me love advice. He gives great, just like no BS, um, just like sound bites to Juno as she's going through this journey. Um, He's very funny. I think it's he's a great actor. So for Good reason. He's known for a lot of other movies, but I just personally have a soft spot for him. Amelia, who is your answer? Who's your number one parent award? Not to bring it back to Love, Simon, but uh, Jennifer Garner and Josh Dumel as the really supportive parents. And it's just, I'm like, going to get emotional. Um, and again, you know, just in general, I, I just want to say one thing about Jennifer Garner. I love her. I think she is amazing. I think she's such a good person. And she would, she's a great mom. She's a great mom. And she's a great mom in that movie. And she's a great mom in real life. How do you You're feel so about, right. how do you feel about the memification of her character in that movie where the meme is like, you can breathe now. And it's just like people, are you pro or against that meme? That. Yeah. I, what, I, whatever. Everything is going to be a freaking meme now. And you know what? I just have to be like, fine, whatever. As, as long as it's promoting the movie, promoting Jennifer Garner, fine. Fine. I had a great time at Love, Simon. I'm glad you put it on this li- this outline mm-hmm. a couple times because it's actually a really good movie. <laughs> it Do is. Do you feel the same way about Juno, Kate? Yes, I also love Juno. It's been okay, a while good. since I've seen Juno. Sorry. <laughs> well, you should revisit it. I'm actually also not done talking about the movie. But quickly, <laughs> let's do best adaption from a previously celebrated work. I'm going to go first because, again, I have a, a dark answer. But um, <laughs> The Virgin Suicides as a book was mm. really important to me as a teenager when I read it in English class. Watched the movie. Had very high expectations. And I also thought— You read girl, it in Kirsten English? Dunn, Class? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay. Um, but our girl, Kristen Dunst, also did a phenomenal role. Yeah, I mean, she a did. Phenom- phenomenal job in this role. I think they were just equally, like, just really important to me and, yeah, pivotal to my life. So, what is your guys' answer? Love it. Um, I chose 10 Things I Hate About You. We're going to talk mm-hmm. later about 
other adaptations of like Shakespeare and like classic tales. Uh, but a weirdly high number of these teen movies are adapted from like Shakespeare. Um, oh, yeah, maybe. I, <laughs> I thought about putting Romeo and Juliet, uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, because mm. I think it's great. And yeah. it's just a seminal <laughs> moment for Leo and Claire. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I decided that was cheating because it's not really an adaptation. So I put 10 Things I Hate About You, which is The Taming of the Shrew. Uh, and it's just a great fucking movie, as we know. Agreed. Really, what's, what's your answer? I'm also going to go William Shakespeare. It is a... It's inspired by his play, Twelfth Night. Uh, you may know of it as She's the Man, starring Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. That movie, I don't know why, but that movie makes me laugh out loud every single time I watch it. And I haven't seen it in a while, but it is so fun. I'm just like getting, you know, when you get like flashbacks of like movies <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, when she stuffs the tampon up her nose. And <laughs> yeah, when my favorite's like, <laughs> Gouda. Like I can't quote <laughs> that movie. I haven't seen it in like fucking yeah. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So when he's like, welcome to Valeria. Welcome, 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 welcome. <laughs> we got some requests for that for oh, Cringe Run. We yeah. could do that. Also, we Tatum. should. Channing Tatum is really hot in that movie. We give him a he lot is. of shit. But <laughs> he is. That yes. was his prime, I believe. Yeah, it was. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's do it. We can't wait any longer. We're so excited <laughs> to do Cringe Mode this week. We are covering the 2000 classic, Bring It On. I think all three of us absolutely adore this movie. Um, there's a lot of good things to say about it. Let's start with the highlights, Amelia. So this was legitimately my first uh quote unquote teen movie. And I used to keep, this is really embarrassing, but I used to keep a journal of PG-13 movies I had seen while not being 13 because my parents were kind of strict. And obviously this was the first on my list. And I remember being like, oh my God, oh, they're talking about spanky pants. I don't know what this means. But being like, this is, this is so cool. Like this is a teen movie. This is PG-13. I love this. I mean, you know what's so weird is I also had a similar experience to this movie. I had a sleepover with a girl named Jenna Wishman. Her parents were very cool and relaxed. Mine were absolutely not. We rented Bring It On on VHS at Blockbuster oh, that night yes. for a little sleepover. Watched it. I It was way too inappropriate. I cannot believe I was watching it at that age. My parents were pissed at me. My dad especially was like, this is the most inappropriate thing, Bola. As a second child, they got more relaxed. How, but, how old do you think you guys were when you saw it? I was in the second or third grade. I was oh really my young. god! Yeah, yeah well, I, I was. Young. Yeah, that's too young. I was probably like ten when I saw it. Yeah, so bad, not good. Uh, Kate, before we keep going, do you want to give a quick synopsis? You're always the one responsible for doing this. Sure. Um, you have a cheer team led by <laughs> Kirsten Dunst. She's the new captain, and they're the Toros. And it turns out the cheers that they've been doing for the past several years have been stolen from an inner city East Compton school, largely women of color led by Gabrielle Union, they find out that they accidentally had stolen these cheers because this new girl, Eliza Dushku, I forget her name in the movie. Oh, it's Missy. Uh, mm -hmm. Joins their team. She's like bad girl, gymnast, whatever. Um, so it ends up kind of being this rivalry between these two teams. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of the interplay between sort of the very privileged white school and the inner city school. But they all go to Daytona. As we know from Cheer on Netflix, Daytona's a big deal. Uh, they go to Nationals at the end of the movie. It's a tight movie. We're going to talk about this later, but it moves fast. And the Clovers, which is the inner city school, they win. Toros come in second. Everyone's happy anyway. Kirsten Dunst falls in love with Missy's brother along the way. Mm -hmm. Did I miss anything? Sorry, no. that was a little disjointed. <laughs> no, that was good. 
You covered it. You covered Great. it. Um, and Amelia, this movie is important to you. I think do anyone listening knows why, but <laughs> you want to really describe <laughs> how pivotal this was to you? Thank you. Yes. I, it was like my first introduction. You know, I feel like you remember, well, at least for me, uh, where you were when you met just see, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, you remember where you were when you met the love of your life and your best friend. But like <laughs> you, uh, for me, it's like I remember where I was when I saw Leonardo DiCaprio for the first time. And I was like, ah. and then I remember where I was when I saw Kirsten Dunst for the first time. And I was like, who is this ethereal angel who is like just a force to be reckoned with. And it was, it was bring it on. And I just remember being like, this girl is so cool. I want her to be my best friend. I want her to be my older sister. I just, everything about her was just, I was in awe. And I have followed her career for literally for, for 20 years. And you can ask my parents, but I was obsessed with her in middle school and high school, college, after college, now I've seen pretty much all of her movies. I've always like written very hard for her. I, I just, I don't know. I've seen like the most obscure teen movies because of Kirsten Dunst. Uh, there's mm-hmm. one called, what's, it's like Get Over It. Have you guys heard of that movie? Swift, no. Cisco's in that movie too. It's actually a very <laughs> cute movie. Yeah. It's kind of inspired by uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream. So another good Ooh. Shakespeare, yeah, adaptation. But I don't know what it is, but everything, every time I would see her on a magazine cover, I'd be like, I got to buy the magazine. Or I just see her and I I remember I was in LA once when I was younger, like probably like 13, and there were photos and pictures for sale of like movie stars. And I was like, oh my God, is there a picture of Kirsten Dunst because I'm obsessed with her? <laughs> and I, it's just like, I can't even explain it. She's like, I, okay. And I don't want to be like shallow, but like, she's not the mo, the, like, she's not Angelina Jolie, which is fine. But I, she is gorgeous, but she's not like conventionally like super hot. You know what I mean? She's obviously beautiful, but, mm-hmm. but there's something about her. She just literally glows on screen. She has this like ethereal quality to her that is just, it sucks you in. And I don't know if you remember, but in the Spider-Man movie, the first one where he's like describing like what it's like to like look at MJ <laughs> and she play she's playing MJ. No offense to Zendaya, but Kirsten Dunst will always be the better MJ. Um, and I love Zendaya, but come on. <laughs> He was like, you look at her and you, you know what the kind of man you want to be and like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's Kirsten Dunst. Like I look at her on screen and I'm like, this creature who we are so blessed to have in our lives. Like, I'm sorry to quote Brie Larson. There would be no film without Kirsten Dunst. She is just, she makes every movie she's in better. She makes it warmer she (laughs) just there's something about her that just you it draws you in she has this charisma that just speaks to the audience you know she was in the interview with the vampire (laughs) with brad pitt and tom cruise and she showed them both up okay at 13 Okay, What's sorry. the timestamp on that? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That was that took too, way too long. But I just wanted no, to, you know. Okay. It was not too long. I, I wanted you to time. have the room to okay, do that. Amelia, you. your opinions are important on the matter. And I, 
appreciate that. You deserve that. that space to talk about <laughs> Kristen Dunst, your heart's content. Oh my God. That was thrilling. Liz and I were just losing it. <laughs> you had a lot to say. I'm sorry. I mean, she did. I, just, <laughs> I mean, just love her. I love her so much. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't even want to talk about my highlight from Bring It On. You, I mean, you captured the essence of just Kirsten Dunst is just absolute angel. I was going to give a shout out specifically to um, her acting ability in this movie because yes. please, she's please so do. endearing, so charismatic. There's a yes. scene where this angsty guy gives her a mixtape. And obviously she's like this cookie cutter white girl has never really granted the other guy is also pretty cookie cutter white guy, but he makes a mixtape for her. She's obviously never listened to like alternative music, rock music, whatever. <laughs> he plays the guitar and she is sitting on her bed. She hits play on this mixtape that her crush made her. And she, like, is getting into the song. And she's kind of, as the seconds go by, leaning in to just rocking out, letting go. She ends up dancing, jumping up and down on her bed. The director said that they basically just, like, let Kirsten Dunst do it and go. And it was, like, a lot of her just, like— acting ability and just um, impulse and kind of just like the natural way of like filling the role. They didn't give her a lot of direction. Just so good. She's just so good and so fun to watch. Um, And this scene like kind of captures exactly how endearing she really is. And then I was going to give a shout out again to another scene with her. Surprise, surprise. But it's a scene that was very important to me and one I thought about for a majority of my youth, (laughs) which was… Same guy, same crush. She, the crush is the older brother of her friend. And so she's sleeping over at the friend's house. And they go to brush their teeth. And she's in the bathroom with her crush, this older brother, the like old kind of taboo, you know, like off-limits guy. And they, it's just simple. They're brushing their teeth. That's all it is. And they're taking turns spitting out. It's like, that's literally it. But the sexual tension between the two of them and the Mm. flirtiness that they're doing with their eyes and Mm. their smiles and the way that they act the scene while just doing something like brushing their teeth is just so good. And I wanted that for my whole life. A scene with some random older brother, like, you can't, you can't have it. You know what I mean? But you want it. (laughs) And you're just brushing your teeth. Thought about the like teeth brushing seen a lot <laughs> wow I feel like I know so much more about both of you after the last 20 minutes <laughs> I'm learning so much they had great um, chemistry you know that Kate <laughs> it's true I have as my highlight just in general throughout the movie including the bathroom scene great chemistry between Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Bradford who went on to uh, do nothing uh, oh! <laughs> I'll talk about him later but I just, you know, they have this, like, very charming, you know, it takes a lot to, like, brush your teeth and look to the side and brush your teeth and look to the side and spit in the sink and brush your teeth and, like, make that sexy. But, like, they really (laughs) nailed it. They did. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. My second highlight is that I love a wacky audition montage. I've talked about this in other (laughs) movies. I forget which ones. But there's obviously, they have to, you know, hold auditions for this open cheerleader spot. And before we get to Missy, who then does like this, you know, triple round off handspring cartwheel backflip routine that wins her the spot, they have to go through all these other people. And I just always, it's just always works for me. I'm like, I do want to <laughs> see the little wacky mime guy do his thing yeah. and then walk off. And like the people who get nervous and cry <laughs> gets me every time. Yeah. Speaking of things they should bring back in movies, I love a good outro, a blooper reel as the yes. It's so fun to watch. Why don't they do that anymore? There's this great, um, it's to this song of Hey Mickey, which is just so catchy and fun, a perfect way to end the movie. Mm-hmm. And then in between all these dance routines where all the characters 
characters are just kind of themselves, but in costume, kind of dancing around. Mm-hmm. They do a blooper reel. So good. Bring that back. I want a blooper reel every single movie. Same. You know, 21 Jump Street has a great, great ending too. Great outro in defense <laughs> of that too. movie as well. I wish it was more cringy. It pr- actually probably is. We could do a cringe. We probably Jump could. Street. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's do some lowlights because there are some legitimate lowlights to this movie. A lot of objectification of women. Um, there's weird, even like all the main characters, all the main white characters have just like bad sides to them. The two main guy friends on the cheer squad, there's a scene where he just accidentally does some weird hand slip when he's holding up a woman and it just is kind of like, ha ha, like he gets a little playful pat on the shoulder, but it's like, no, don't do that. Um, And then there's like a really large amount of really homophobic language from the main characters. There's also a lot like they're saying, just between all of them, they say like, whore and slut and it's there's just a lot of like really bad language that they kind of just toss around that would not be done and has not aged that well even though I know that's another category but that's definitely a low light um and then a more surface level just dumb low light is that the dumb ex-boyfriend soon to be ex-boyfriend but he's her boyfriend for a lot of it um just holds her back and he's just kind of a dud but Mm -hmm. that's kind of just like a nitpick that doesn't really matter (laughs) um Kate what's your low light yeah, this may be just because like all of the other lowlights were uh, kind of added up into one thing. This may be like yeah. our lightest lowlight section. Like we can't, <laughs> yeah. we're not going to name every single, you know, piece of language that we object this to. There's a lot. But also I would have liked more of a Clover's storyline. Like we, mm-hmm. it's obviously focused on Kirsten Dunst's character and her team. Um, and we really only get the Clovers and Gabrielle Union's team when they're competing or like when they're like kind of having this confrontation. And I just, I think found it a little bit harder to, care about like the individual members of the team like they kind of mm-hmm. just seemed like kind of these side characters that mm-hmm. were used to you know just like move the plot along and mm-hmm. I would have liked ha- like knowing a little more about their team and like rooting for them more especially since they win in the end not that it's hard to root for them because they're like obviously better but I don't know I just would have like and plus like more Gabrielle Union is never a bad thing you know like right. just give me more of, of her agreed agreed so this brings us uh, directly into what has aged the best and the worst. Let's do worst first. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of homophobic and problematic language in the movie and something that all the main characters throw around, which is not yeah. okay. It just hasn't aged well. Like, it just, like, yeah. really dates the movie, too. Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of this movie really holds up, which we're going to talk about in a second. But, like, it, it just is, like, that kind of language and that those kind of themes are just, like, not acceptable anymore and just, like, mm-hmm. really is hard to watch at times, mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. Um, and that includes Eliza Dushu's character, Missy, is supposed to be, mm-hmm. like, this kind of, like, edgy bad girl. And they give her, like, these faux dreads for no reason <laughs> that I could understand. Um, yeah. Which also, like, looking back now, there's a lot of conversation about, like, appropriating the those cheers from the Clovers. And, like, when Missy is like, oh, it's so bad that, like, we took their cheers and we took their culture and, like, she's wearing dreads. I'm like, girl, <laughs> yeah. like, that that really undercuts the message 20 years <laughs> later. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, no need to take that hairstyle whatsoever. It looks, it's not her look at all anyway. And then this is really dumb, but we haven't even said it yet on this podcast. Kirsten Dunn's character's name is Torrance. She's Torrance <laughs> and her team is the Toros. What was that? I don't know. Why name her Torrance? It's one of the worst <laughs> names I've ever and heard. And they call her Tor in the movie. Tor. So Tor's on the Toros. It's Why? really bad. Really yeah, bad. It is. Um, before we get into the best, I did want to give a shout out. I know we'll be uh, talking about this a bit, but to this article that um, all of us read, 
um, that was actually just published on the 25th, two days ago. It was like very good timing. Obviously, it's coming up on its anniversary. Bring it mm-hmm. on. So it makes sense that people are reflecting back on the movie. But it's by an author named Roxana Hadidi. And it's called Bring It On's Welcome Interrogation of White Privilege. And Kate, you were the one who sent this around. I would encourage uh, everyone listening, if you watch the movie, if you're even thinking about Bring It On, to also read this article because it explains really well just a lot of the things that we talked about earlier, just like the culture clash, the white privilege that's like really prevalent in this movie. They just sum up things really well and probably better than I could say it. So I'd encourage you all to read that. Um, and Amelia, I know you had some thoughts on that. Do you want to start? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what I love about this movie is that there is definitely some subversive race issues because on the surface, it's like a really fun, obviously teen movie starring Kirsten Dunst. But deeper than that, it's like it t- it tackles this like white privilege team essentially from the suburbs versus this inner city, like Kate said, um, East Compton Clovers team. And, you know, they tackle the whole cultural appropriation and how the white characters were stealing from the black characters and the fact that the black characters weren't going to take it anymore, which is awesome. And it kind of reminded me of, do you remember, like, I don't know how many years ago this was. I mean, it happens all the time, but I just remember this one for some reason really in particular. Uh, It was like Vogue.com, I want to say, wrote something. They were like, wow, Kendall Jenner is rocking cornrows like this fashion is so in and so cool and people obviously and rightly so were upset because it's like okay black women have been rocking that look and and black men too for a long time and now you just think it's cool now because Kendall Jenner is rocking like are you kidding me um and it's you know it's this movie tackled these cultural appropriation issues and issues of race and class kind of before, really before, ahead of its time in an era that wasn't, I mean, I think it had evolved a lot since, you know, however many years ago, but it still wasn't to the point where we are right now. And, you know, like you were saying in the article that Kate sent also talks about how the movies of like the late nineties, early aughts that were kind of like pro female were like, you know, about these white women with blonde hair and how like, they're standing up to people who think they're stupid or something. And it's really, it tackles the kind of the less seen behind the scenes race issues that deal with really the women who have to face the fact that they're women and they're women of color. And, you know, uh, Bring It On really brought that to the forefront as camouflaged as it was, you know, in this team movie. So... Yeah, Gabrielle Union has some great line, just one-liners in this movie. Uh, like, I know you didn't think a white girl made that shit up because <laughs> the white just absolutely unable to make those kind of dance moves and make them do well. Um, and then the last paragraph of this article I just want to call out said, in hindsight, the broad strokes of Bring It On feels like a precursor to the conversations we're having more and more often now about the physical and emotional labor weathered by Black Americans every day in a society built upon white supremacy. And this movie is in 2000. I mean, um, it was important and really interesting to watch 20 years later now um, with a different lens. So 
I agree. It covered a lot of, if you paid attention to it, and I don't think I did when I was eight or whatever um, <laughs> at the time, but yeah, now paying attention to it, it covers really, really, really important things. Yeah. So, as, as badly as some of the language aged, it's yeah. amazing how well that part aged. And maybe it's bad yeah, yeah. because I wish we weren't still dealing with these things to the right. extent that we are. Like, I wish yeah. it didn't seem as timely, but yeah, it does a great job with that. And it, it doesn't let them get away with it too, you know, which I think is like the big thing. Like Definitely. it doesn't absolve, it would have been really easy for them to absolve Torrance's character and like pin it mm-hmm. all on her team or pin it all on like her not knowing. And I don't right. think it really lets her get away with it, which is great. Right, because she comes in kind of as this like white savior character. She like tries to raise money for the Compton yeah. Clovers. They're like, no, we're good. We don't want it. She is definitely, you know, the world revolves around her. She's the protagonist in this movie. But yeah, I agree. They don't let her get away with it. I love that. Um, this is not any kind of segue, but I we have to keep going with the outline. Something that has aged well, I which is not even aging well, it's just kind of an eternal bit, is the spirit fingers bit. Yes! <laughs> it's a tone change. Really sorry for the whiplash. Um, but that is something that people still quote very heavily, and you kind of do it with your hands, and everyone knows where it's from. So Sparky Palastri's spirit fingers live on. So you good. It. Also, also aged well. Cheerleading is a sport. Wow. Mm -hmm. I think especially this year, you know, with with cheer on Netflix, people have really appreciated like the athletic abilities of these athletes and like the fact that this is like really a real competition. But just the part where, you know, they're explaining to Missy that like they don't just go to the football games, like that they compete Mm -hmm. at Daytona and like there are these, you know, really gymnastic elements. I was like, this sounds super familiar. And this is something we've already talked about with cheer this year. And I think, you know, people are accepting that more and more. So like movies about like cheerleading as a sport is Mm -hmm. really timely right now as well, I think. Totally. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I just want to say also this movie has a runtime of 100 minutes. Thank you. Thank you. You love to see it. Take note, people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's do the MVP. I'll go first. We talked about it a lot. Gabrielle Union in this movie is a true MVP. She Mm. said, a big F you to Kirsten Dunst's like guilt money, (laughs) basically being a white savior character in this movie. She says, no, we're good. She raises the money anyhow. She is an absolute boss. She has the best like zingers in this movie and like retorts to um, Missy and and Tor as she's called <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, she's a badass. Also, I mean, she looks phenomenal she now. Looks so but good. She looks the exact <laughs> she same. She literally looks the, the same. Girl, oh my God. It's stunning. So um, she's a stunning person, but I yeah, yeah, in 2000, yeah, she looks the exact same as she does in 2020. <laughs> yeah. She's great. I want I want her to just like coach my life, you know? Yeah. Just tell uh, me to do. Tell me I like throughout my day how to do everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, my MVP, I'm gonna take Jesse Bradford and his charming uh, crooked smile yeah. in this movie. I don't know if you guys have checked in with Jesse Bradford lately. He's not doing much. Uh, I oh. found his, his Instagram recently because he did that challenge where you do a handstand and you get into the t-shirt while you're in the handstand. It was kind of um. like going around. And I was, it came up on my Twitter and I was like, whoa, Jesse Bradford is jacked. And he <laughs> is. What? And he, <laughs> if you go to his Instagram, which I highly recommend, he has this like new wife. They are, are like, have this kind of like hippie lifestyle. He has a man bun. They wow. like travel the country with like his guitar and his little bandanas. Um, and honestly, he looks great. So I actually really recommend an Instagram deep dive because he seems to be thriving. Wow. No. <laughs> Amelia, who's your MVP in this movie? Hmm. Well, I know this is a shocker. But I'm going to say Kirsten Dunst for obvious reasons. <laughs> you know, obviously she has a lot of great help in this movie, but you know, you need a 
main character who is just effervescent. She is glowing. She is <laughs> just the moment, you know? She is, and that's what she is in this movie. She literally is just, you want to be her best friend. You want <laughs> her as your mentor. You want to date her. You just like everything about her is just, just iconic. So I'm going to say Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> you Thank summed you. it up. You want to take over the lightning round now? I shall. I did not write these this time. I think Liz did, but they're great. And I will take it away. Okay. Lightning round. Most romantic scene. The bathroom brushing scene. The swing set in which Mm. uh, Jesse Bradford's character, I think his name's Cliff, also a tough Mm -hmm. name choice, is giving Torrance a little pep talk. And then the sweaty kiss post-cheer competition. Amelia, (laughs) what is your choice for the most romantic scene? Actually, we left one out, which you're going to mention right now. Yes, I loved all those scenes, but I, I, for some reason, and Liz mentioned this uh, previously, but I love the saga of the mixtape that Cliff makes for Torrance. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, here, uh, and she was just like, I don't like you that way. But then she listens to it and she's like, actually, I do. So yeah, love that. It's great. Yes. Liz, what about you? We already know. It's got to be the toothbrushing scene. <laughs> I already explained this. It. It's very important to me. <laughs> I, for one, really enjoy the uh, the like end of the movie post-competition kiss mm. because the way that she grabs him by the back of the head is very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And I really, so you don't see it very often in like the whole romantic, like final first kiss scene. I thought it was great. Another yeah. little check for the Kirsten Dunst box there. <laughs> uh, nailed the final kiss. Okay. Which cheer squad would you rather be on? The Compton Clovers, Gabrielle Union's team, the Toros, Kirsten Dunst's team, or in Netflix's Cheer, Monica Aldama's Navarro <laughs> Cheer Squad. Anyone? Well, I would say none because my <laughs> inflexible ass would bring down the whole team and I want the best for each and every one of them. That's yeah. the most relatable answer. <laughs> I am actually quite flexible, but I'm also quite tall. And yeah, and I would have to be the bottom of the pyramid. Nobody wants me. (laughs) Tall people are just not as useful. Can't be like spun around. Don't actually like to be touched too much by anyone at all. Can't (laughs) be propped up. Don't. I can't probably be on any any cheer squad now that I think about it. Um, I agree with all of these things. If I had to choose, gun to my head, I would go with the Clovers. They have the best music choices. You got to practice these routines a lot. You don't want to be listening to some bullshit over and over and over again. And they also seem to have more dancing than acrobatics, which I mm. felt like in terms of like personal safety and like chances of broken bones, my yeah. odds would be better on that <laughs> team. And again, I just want Gabrielle Union to just run my life. So yes, that's understandable. Fair. Are you surprised that so many of these actors went on to achieve success in Hollywood? Great question. Yes. Anyone? Yes and no. Yes, because so many teen actors end up going kind of by the wayside and you're like, oh, yes, that person in that one movie that I saw when I was a teen. Okay. Um, But also, no, because they're all talented, you know, but we have like Kirsten Dunst has a career. Gabrielle Union has a career. Eliza Mm -hmm. Dushku has a career. You could argue Jesse Bradford has a career, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Does he? Um, I agree. And I think that part of it is because a lot of them already had a head start on fame. Eliza Dushku was already on Buffy. Kirsten Dunst already Mm. had her whole child acting career. She was already Mm. in the Virgin Suicides before this. Mm. Gabrielle Union doesn't need any help. Um, (laughs) But I feel like this, you know, this wasn't like their breakout role. 
So True. like a lot of them already kind of had help. So I wasn't yeah. that surprised. Yeah, say. the characters that were really the shining stars did have great careers. I would say there's a lot of side characters that I've never seen right. ever yeah. in my whole yeah. life. So I guess those who that makes shine sense. bright, yeah, yeah, did. Should they ever remake Bring It On? No. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So no. my thing is that they tried a lot already. True. They they made five sequels. They all went straight to <laughs> oh. video on demand. Uh, I think the only one worth noting is Bring It On All or Nothing, which is with Hayden Panettiere and more notably Solange Knowles with wow. a cameo at the end by Rihanna. Wow. Like just the ultimate wow. time capsule. You know, we could have done Bring It On Cringe like extended. We've done the canon like we did with High School Musical. <laughs> Listen, but- you guys tapped out of Nicholas Sparks after like four movies. You're not going to make it through Bring It On. Yeah, you know what? Actually, now that we're at the end of this cringe mode category, got a lot of feedback on stopping the Nicholas Sparks cringe mode. We and did. I, I'm People sorry, didn't you guys. I just really didn't love that. I'm just tired. <laughs> but I guess we can keep going. We'll, we'll see. We'll reevaluate and we'll surprise see. you next week. I live to serve the tea time squad, the tea bags, whatever we call them. Okay. Let's end this very long episode with Tea Time's unanswerable question, High School Edition. Kate, take it away. This is going to be fun. Okay, so if you were a stereotypical side character in one of these movies, you know what I'm talking about? Like the nerd that gets bullied or like the kid smoking under the bleachers. Like there's always like if you're in a high school setting, there's always a certain cast of side characters, right? Which stereotypical side character would you be? Just as an example, I'll give you mine. And I would be the student who does the daily announcements. That's so good. That is Because that is what I did in high school. Oh my God. I I did not know that. Oh (laughs) my God. If you think about it. It really does. Um, I have an answer for this. Do you know when either the hunky guy pops through the door, the double doors in the locker room area and it's slow-mo. There's some great song playing or the girl gets some classic makeover. She takes her glasses off. It's like her big intro and she pat, he or she passes by groups of students and they like have this slow-mo look to this main <laughs> character and then the girls are like, hi, Josh. And then that's two seconds screen time. That's me. The side character surrounded by other girls too scared to do anything else but say hi. But admiring from afar. Oh that my God. Is, that is I a love great that. choice. That is a great the both of those choices are so good. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> I literally I can't follow that. I honestly know. those are so good. Those are <laughs> okay, good Liz's group that also okay, is amazing. Thank you. Slow yeah. Motion. All right, do your question then, Amelia. Um, okay, because I'm I don't know why, but I am obsessed with these stupid teen movie adaptations of famous works. Which famous work would you remake into a fun teen movie? Amelia, what's your pick? Well, that's hard, but I feel like there is something that can be done with any of Shakespeare's classics, as we've seen, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. She's the man. I'm forgetting of others, but you know, there are more. Uh, also, you know, like Clueless is Emma and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all that good stuff. I f- Has there been a Pride and Prejudice? Like, I know there's been like Kira Knightley and Pride and Prejudice, but that's Pride and Prejudice. But like, has there been one that's like starring? I know there's been like, like I... I've seen like the Bollywood one, like oh, Bride sure. and Prejudice. Like I know oh. it's gone to a lot of different cultures, but I actually sure. don't know that they have done a teen. Unless we're all just like forgetting a really <laughs> like obvious something one. very obvious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's a good idea. You can Thanks. never go wrong with that. Yeah, I love that story just in general. And I love the Keira Knightley movie, but it would be fun to see it in like a jazzed up teen centric yeah. movie. Yeah. 
I thought this was going to be a lot hotter of a take, but apparently, like, everyone does love, like, Shakespeare's tales. Like, I am a huge Shakespeare nerd and always have been, always will be. So, like, I didn't realize that it was that beloved, like, taking his content. Obviously, those movies are great. Like, West Side Story 2 was um, an adaption of him. So, I say we lean all the way in. Let's keep churning him out. He has a lot of of material to work with. Let's do King Lear. Let's do something obscure. I want to see— We could make it light. Dark. You know? <laughs> we could try something. I just want to really fully lean in. I feel like we've taken yeah. a break and yes. I want to go back. Mm-hmm. I have Agreed. a very thought out answer. So I just read The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Wow. And I feel like the Iliad you could take Whoa. and make it like a gay teen sports movie. Whew. And like Achilles is like the star running back. He's in love with the male cheerleader, Patroclus. Oh and then they're God. getting up for like the big game against the Trojans. And it's oh. like this big thing. And like all the boys hate each other. And it le- ends with like the big game. Achilles doesn't die. Obviously, he just tears <laughs> his Achilles tendon. Oh. Um, I've thought it all out. I'm ready. Hollywood, call me. We I love came that. to this category so prepared. Normally, we <laughs> ask each other questions like, I don't I know. know. <laughs> like, that is a good question. All of us are like, you want to know what? You want to know what? <laughs> I'll, I'll sell this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well done. All right. All right. My last question is, what movie was integral to your high school experience? Kate, do you want to start? I do have one. It's Twilight because the Twilight books were the first thing that I bonded mm-hmm. with my high school best friend over. We were on the same softball team in eighth grade. She was a year younger than me. We had nothing in common except for the fact that we both loved the Twilight books and we bonded over them. We used to talk about them at softball and dugout. Like we'd just be like on the end talking about like team Edward. (laughs) Um, And we bonded over the books. We became best friends. We were best friends all the way through high school. And I guess through the movies too. So that's my answer. That's cute. Um, Amelia? I would have to say I remember going to see Mean Girls in theaters. I think I was like 13 or 14 and I was just being like, oh, my God, this is like this reminds me of high school, like all the different sections of the lunch tables and everything. And I just and that was when I was like, wow, this Lindsay Lohan girl, you know, I've got my radar on for stars. And I was like (laughs) scouting out Lindsay Lohan. I was like, yep. This girl's going to be a star. So. This one, officer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, my answer, surprise, surprise, for the fifth time this podcast yeah. is Juno. <laughs> it's like the first time I heard indie music forever in my life. And I was like, what is this great acoustic guitar? Listen to that soundtrack without fail maybe 10 times every day. And I wanted a burger phone, which. I thought um, you were going to say wow. I wanted a child. <laughs> uh, no, I did I not want to a child. I mom. Um, okay, let's wrap this up. God bless and thank you to Kaya, our producer. This was a long one. Thank you guys Truly. so much for listening. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Howell. And I'm Amelia Lodemeyer. <laughs> <laughs>